podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to It's Only a Game podcast. My name is Greg. Uh, we're in for a jam-packed episode this this episode. But first of all, Jimmy, Deck, and Matt, none of them are available this evening. So it's up to me to do the customary Jimmy Driver podcast introduction. So um, I'll give it a go. It won't be as good as Jimmy's. In the week of football, which very much was, we had the Angry Birds fixture in the Premier League, which saw the Seagulls against the Magpies. Desert Giuseppe's high-flying seagulls convincingly beat the magpies with a Ferguson hat-trick. The sky truly is the limit for the seagulls, it would seem. Meanwhile, at the Emirates, it was snap, crackle and pop, with Rice scoring late. A goal to take all the spoils for Arsenal at the Emirates, leaving Man United looking a little bit grainy, you could say. Uh, The Saudi money couldn't tempt Salah away from Liverpool this transfer window. He's been involved in 10 goals as of late. Uh, can Liverpool keep up the unbeaten run, possibly? We're not too sure. But this brings me on to my, my guest for this evening. Happy to introduce one of the uh, good friends, Femi, Liverpool fan. How are you doing, Femi? You OK? Yes, I'm doing great, thanks. Fantastic. So, uh, you caught some of the highlights of the um, the Villa-Aston Villa... Uh, sorry, start again. Liverpool-Aston Villa game. Um, what was your overall take from that performance and the score, would you, would you say? Yes, I was very happy with the performance. Um... We won 3-0. Um, I was surprised that we kept a clean sheet because we had no Van Dyke and we didn't play with Endo, who's our most defensive-minded midfielder. But it was good. Like Salah could have had a hat-trick of assists. Nunes was dangerous, but he didn't score. Um, so Bozlai got his first goal, which is a screamer. So overall, really good. And like uh, with Gomez coming in for Van Dyke, keeping the clean sheet, I felt that ticked a lot of boxes so that was a really good performance by Liverpool I was listening to a Liverpool podcast just this afternoon um, just before I'm making my tea and I can't remember which one it was but I'll try and find it and they were saying that the they were they were more pleased with the, the start of the performance the start of the game, getting the early goal which sort of led to a sort of bit of um, it was a comfortable beginning almost Whereas I think they were trying to suggest that some games last season took them a while possibly to get going or they wouldn't score early on. Do you think that's possibly the case for this game? That they've got the early goal and like uh, puts everything at ease possibly a little bit more? Or And so, to be fair, I think, um, yes, like sometimes we haven't started the best and then we have to um, really try hard to catch up in the game. But I think that all goes back to the defence, so... Normally, it's like a defensive mix-up or defensive mistake or people, like, because of the style of play before where we used both fullbacks high up, people would just overload on Trent's side. So so I felt that was more to do with the bad start. So now with Trent a bit more in midfield, like, felt he controlled the game. His long passes, switches were really good. So, um, yes, I felt it was a really good performance and enjoyed Salah getting a goal. Nunes being dangerous. Yeah, Sabozlai's goal. What a, what a first goal. Like, And that's on his week of oh, fun. Yeah. 
I saw that before on highlights. I was like, my word, that is a good goal. It needs just instinct. I think that was just pure instinct, wasn't it, to hit it and go with that. Um, we, we, we briefly spoke about Salah. Um, so is it, he's been involved in ten goals. Is that right? And the last is that is that a goal every game or is that two every? Is there any pattern to that or? Uh, so I think yeah, his goal contributions I think is last ten, but. Um, but that makes sense because as well as being a goal scorer, Salah is also a great creator as well. And um, particularly in pre-season, he linked up quite well with the Nunes. So I'm not I'm not surprised that that is the that that he's kept that form up. You could, I almost sensed during the um, watching the highlights that even though even though I knew he had scored before watching the highlights, I had a feeling that. You could just tell that we're building it, we're coming, Salah's goal. Like he was bombing it down the wing and then he was crossing in and he was doing such a thing and you just almost felt that it was inevitable that he would make a contribution to the game. Um, do you think it's quite... Um, is it quite telling that he's turned down the uh, offers that have been rumoured from Saudi Arabia? Do you think that's... Because there's quite a lot of high-profile players that have gone over there, haven't they? Obviously, we know Ronaldo's there, Benzema... Is uh, is it Neymar? Is he over there now? Um, do you think it's it's a testament to Salah to stay at Liverpool? So I think to be fair, Salah has only just signed. You know, like it was about a year ago or one point five years ago that he signed his latest contract with Liverpool. So, so I think that that's a huge element. Like, uh, and I think personally, he wants to chase some goal records. So I think at the moment he's like top 10 in the Liverpool goal scorers and so he wants yeah. to move up in, in those lists so like so if he stays another two seasons he can reach top three and then also the other part is that hypothetically if Liverpool had to let him go you can't have a direct replacement and so you would need to buy a few players to make up for that and the bid was way too late in my opinion if 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 they really wanted Salah got you I'm quite, I'm quite pleased that he stayed. To be honest, I know, I know, I understand it, it, money is, you know, is king. Really, it's, it's quite important money. But it's, I, I find it quite a testament to Salah that he's sort of staying at Liverpool because, I don't know, I would miss watching him every weekend. I know the uh, Saudi Arabia League, it's not as, um, it's not out there as much on YouTube or any Sky channels. Not just yet, or maybe I haven't noticed it. Possibly, I'm not too sure. But I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm glad that Salah. We get to see him every week on television and match of the day or Sky Sports. Um, just looking at Aston Villa, they obviously they had a decent season last season. I think they just about edged um, Europe, didn't they? They're in the European competition this year. Uh, were you surprised by their performance, knowing that they've crept into Europe for this season, or, or do you think it was just Liverpool were too good for them, or? Um, so I think like they've been a little bit hot and cold this season, but I, I do think their summer signings have been really good. So Diaby, getting Tillemans on a free, um, these are really good signings. They're playing Diaby up front with Watkins, so that's quite tasty. Um, and so I think, to be honest, that in the games that they've lost this season, I just feel like they've, they're better sides with better players. But the rest of the teams, I think they they should beat because they definitely got the quality. So, with Douglas Louise, uh, with Paul Torres, Cash, 
like these are Konza, these are really good players and so I expect them to challenge for the top six this season. Yeah, I mean I was just looking at the um they've not done too bad, have they? I think they've uh, let's have a look at their recent fixtures. Here we go. So yeah, they've they beat they beat Burnley, didn't they? They beat Aston uh, sorry not Aston Villa. Uh, yeah. Aston Villa beat Burnley and they beat Everton, was it four nil early in the season? I think it was four nil. Yeah, so they're not doing they're not doing too bad. Um, so I, I think they can probably build on something maybe next week or the next fixture, something like that. And obviously they're in Europe this year. Um, myself and Jimmy and the other lads were talking about that that could be a, a winnable competition for them if they were to sort of focus on on one or the other. Or you know they're in there, they're definitely in there. They might as well have some sort of focus on that. Um, so yeah, Villa. It was um, yeah they, they were. As I was watching the Liverpool highlights, I thought they were quite convincing Liverpool. I know, obviously, Villa, they're not a, a Sheffield United or a Luton who have just come up or anything like that. They're a solid side, aren't they, really, Aston Villa? So it could have been a tricky game. It could have been a tricky game. Uh, who've Liverpool got next, fam? And so, let uh, me have a quick check. But with Liverpool... Yeah, so we've got we've got Wolves next, and it's the first... Uh-huh. It's the lunchtime kickoff. Ah, after the international that's at Molyneux as well. Yeah. To be fair, I don't really know how, how Wolves are doing. Are they a bit all over the place? So so they've had a strange summer, actually, because basically they had to get rid of lots of players due to FFP. So they sold Nevers to Saudi Arabia. Um, they, they released Adama Traore. Um, they, I think they got rid of Hal Martinho. So these are really quality players that have done well for Wolves over the years and they've hardly paid any fees for their players. Only um, Cunha, which was done on the the loan deal and most of them have been freeze and then Doyle has come in on loan, I think, turning into a signing because uh, Man City got Matias Nunes. So, so yeah, they've been really hamstruck and then that's one of the reasons why the the former manager this former Spanish manager left because because he left quite late in the uh, pre-season didn't he was it like a week to go or a week and a half to go to the season starts or yeah it's yes quite... it was around that time so so what I think happened is that um, when he first went into the role and the Wolves board said, okay, if you help us survive, help us play good football, we'll give you some money in the summer. But what happened was that and they had to sell some players, and then they said basically that, oh, you can only do free transfers, and there's a limit to the amount of free transfers you can do. So he felt that was too wow. big a task. Even though they've got some nice... Good players like Fabio Silva, Matis Kuna, like I have to admit their display against Manu was really good and bar the Onana foul, it would have been one all. Yeah. Like they should have beaten Manu if they had better finishes, but but like um yeah. I think uh, Gary O'Neill is a good appointment and he's worked he's worked with a limited budget before, so I think um I think Wolves are in good hands. It's interesting with Wolves because obviously that's a you get that that type of setup at like lower league teams in in terms of like limited budgets or one hand one hand one arm sorry tied behind the back and things like that that are sort of holding it back a little bit with Wolves. You see that with different teams, 
sorry, like in the championship and lower down. So um, it's an interesting one for Wolves. So yeah, that's that's the Saturday midday kickoff, isn't it? Wolves Liverpool. How do you think you'll fare against Wolves? Is it is it a tricky game, or do you think it should be straightforward? Um, so I think with Liverpool this season, I think it it's got a potential to be a tricky game. But Liverpool's attack is so good, in my opinion, that it's enough to um, it's enough to beat teams like Wolves. So it's like if you remember yeah. the thirteen fourteen Brendan Rodgers team, I think. We're not going to oh, yeah. play as attacking as that, but I think it'll be along those lines because we don't have the. We've only got one defensive midfield player, and we can't play him for sixty games this season. So I think it's going to be lots of creative midfielders and attackers, and rot, you know Jota rotating, Gakpo rotating, Diaz, Salah, Nunes. Like these are five like top players in my opinion. So. That I think most games we should beat the teams just based on the attack alone. Got you. That's that's yeah. I agree. I would agree with that absolutely. Uh, we we've just touched on something before we we press record about the transfer window, didn't we, fam? Um, <clears throat> did Liverpool manage to get anybody in during the transfer window before it closed? Sorry. And so yes, we got this young and uh, Dutch player called Raven Gravenberch. So he's a former Ajax player, but uh, he went to Bayern Munich last season. It didn't work out. He didn't have much opportunities, but I, I feel hopeful for him. Um, he's a box-to-box midfielder. He's his stature is similar to Yaya Torre. So six foot three, oh, wow. can run box-to-box, can pass. Um, he's a little bit raw, but I think he's in the right hands because Klopp is very good at developing players, and he's got his Dutch compatriots with. Gakpo and Virgil van Dijk to help settle him in. So I think he's in good hands. And with Liverpool being in the Europa League, you should get a decent amount of minutes. That's a good point, actually, because I suppose if he's got the, the Dutch um, teammates with him, he's got that connection, he's got that understanding, it could probably he could probably bed in a little bit easier, possibly, than if they weren't there. Poss- I don't know if that's a, that would be a thing or not. Is he the only player they got in Liverpool on, on the deadline, closing deadline? Yes, on the deadline day, yes. yes. Yeah. But like um, earlier oh, yeah. in the summer, we got um, McAllister, Endo oh, and Sabozlai. Yes. It was a total midfield rebuild. So that's why I'm, yes. I'm very optimistic. I still think we needed one more defensive-minded defensive midfielder. But I think the bulk of the midfield, midfield is, is done. That's what, that's how I feel. Yeah, I know we spoke about um, a couple of weeks ago. We spoke about Henderson going to Saudi Arabia, didn't we? And I thought he was. Um, I thought you could have still played him basically, and I think you suggested that he's he's not worth um, keeping. So, do you think that's that's a good thing that he's actually left Liverpool so that you can free up a space to get? Give somebody else a chance, possibly, do you think? Would that be the case with Henderson? Yes, so I actually think Sabozlai is actually the Henderson replacement. So uh, so, uh, yeah. so this new style of play is we want more creative midfielders. So Sabozlai is really good at set pieces. He, he's got a, a great first touch, ball striking, can pass, can shoot. And because he's like 21, 22, very energetic, He's he, he comes from, he used to play for Salzburg, we bought him from Leipzig, so those teams are very famous for their type of pressing. So he's a very good presser that way. 
And so, yes, like um, I think Henderson was a great servant for Liverpool, but um, the issues Liverpool had last season was the midfield was a bit too old and slow. And so basically when they went to press, they would miss the press and then the opponents would go into where Trent is or they were in a run where their attackers could go in. So I think it was best. Like uh, I, I know for, I briefly heard a little bit about Henderson's interview. He felt that he wasn't wanted, but I feel like, to be fair, he had a really good run at Liverpool. He basically played regular football for over yeah. 10 years. And so to not, to be, not be a starter this time when the issues were due to not just him, but like older players in the midfield... I think I think it I think it's fair and and most people probably would think Sabozlai is an upgrade for right now. Yeah. See I, I can't remember how old Anderson is. Is he in is, is he thirty four, thirty five? Yeah, he's about thirty three, thirty four, which is old yeah, which is I old mean, for a midfielder. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's about right that, isn't it? In terms of like you say, he's been there for ten years, he's won quite a few trophies. He probably wasn't going to start every week or, or consistently anyway. So it, it sounds about right. Yeah, I, yeah. It's, it, I think it was the right choice, really, to... Um, and I suppose he's not going to complain, is he, for the money that he's on in Saudi Arabia? Yeah, he's hell. claimed that he's, he's not, not on that money, but he's definitely on an upgrade. <laughs> oh, he's got to be. Why else would he be going there? You know, like... <laughs> It's not going there for any other reason. Is well, he, he's um... claimed that he hasn't. He's claimed that it wasn't for monetary purposes in his <laughs> interviews. Right? Who's he kidding? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He's kidding. Oh, man. Is he... Um... Is it Gerard? Is it Gerard's team? Yes, Gerard. Gerard's yeah? the manager. Oh, well. And also he yeah. brought his former teammate, Ginny Widinaldum. So that's the... Oh, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, so, so right. they're both playing in the wow. same team now. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe Anderson's saying he's uh, not gone for the money. That's he, he literally that's released something. the interview yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to watch that. Oh dear me! Oh yeah, super. So Liverpool, um, you, you're um, you just missed out on Champions League last year. You're in the Europa League this year. Do you think that's something that you could? It's an achievable trophy to um, to win. Do you think this time round for? The circumstances that you're in, you're in that one. Do you think you can possibly go go and try to win that one? Yes. So with the Europa League, um, I think with the best way to approach the Europa League is almost to have two eleven. So one for the Premier League, one for the Europa League. Mm. So in the Europa League, that would be good for your Harvey Elliotts, your Curtis Joneses, the Raven Gravenberches, those younger players, so they get their minutes in. Even Kelleher the Irish goalkeeper, I think it's good for that. And then maybe in the latter stages where maybe a Champions League team has dropped out, that's when you play your Salas because things are starting to get quite serious. That's a good, that's a good way of thinking about it, actually, because you see, you do see a lot of elite teams with a, a, a few 11s. Man City do it, don't they? They've got a few... You could almost um, they could almost play another eleven the next week, possibly. Well, I, I have seen that. I have seen that. Um, yeah. So I'm just looking at the actual the league, the uh, the Premier League before we um, before we hit the record button, and it's quite evident um, that Brighton are doing well. Um, I don't mind Brighton. What what are your thoughts on Brighton, Fem? Do you think they're 
an exciting team. Even though you're a Liverpool fan, do you do you mind Brighton doing well? Uh, obviously, they're not Man United, they're not Arsenal, they're not. No, not not at all. Like, I think Brighton you know? are a really good side. Like, um, yeah, I think their recruitment is really good. Um, that the Deserby style of football is really good. So basically, in like um, understat, which is like a table that shows the xG. And the expected goals and expected goals conceded. So basically, they're almost top for both. So like really, wow. really exciting goal wise, but could be leaky the the other end as well. And and one thing that I'm really looking forward to is um, they've got Ansu Fati on loan. So yes, so he's he's supposed to be Messi's heir. So a really talented wow. footballer, but it's had his injury problems. Yeah. So I'll be interested to see if what magic Deserve can do with him. What do you think? Um, what do you think lured that particular player into Brighton? Do you think was there anything specific that he thought this is the club for me? Is there anything there? Do you think? Yes, so I think a Brighton play attacking football, and also yeah. they they are great at developing young players. So it's a no brainer yeah. if you're a young player who wants to develop, get the minutes, um, do well. Like um, I think it's a no brainer. I think like I think yeah. uh, Brighton are almost like turning to be the English version of Ajax in terms of the developing young players playing attacking football. I think they're heading in that direction. It's interesting. We've had, um, there's a, there's a, there's a Brighton podcast called, uh, Albion obsessed that we've sometimes that we've had them on with us. We've, we, and Jimmy's been on their podcast and some of the players that they rhyme off that they've had, they've had, um, Oh, what's his name? Is it Glenn? Not Glenn Murray. Yeah. Yeah. They've they had Glenn Murray. Murray yeah. yeah. Glenn Murray. Yeah. Glenn, Glenn Murray. Um, Sanchez, they used to have Sanchez. He used to play for Rochdale. Glenn Murray used to play for Rochdale. So I sort of I can relate to them as a club that they're not this um, sort of mega power just yet, and they're doing it, I would say, the right way in terms of getting these players that I've that I've seen over the years, the past twelve years, Glenn Murray's and things like that. And you think, wow, that's that's uh, quite a story that they haven't gone. Like you could say, like Newcastle that or, or another team that sometimes throw money at it. I don't think Brighton are actually doing that. They've got like a strategy where they're building on such a performance um, and, and different players and different tactics. And it's like last season they beat quite a lot of the top top sides. Last season you think, Christ, they're um, they did well. And then they're obviously they're in Europe. Um, I touched on it briefly in the intro that they've got quite a good group in their European um, adventures. I think they've got Ajax and I can't remember the other two, but I was looking at it thinking, my word, that's quite a good, um, that's a good group. Let me just try and find Brighton. Where are we? Um, oh, AKA Athens, I think is one of them. Uh, and Marseille is another one. So that's quite, if you're a Brighton fan and you've got Ajax, Athens and Marseille away, you're taking that, aren't you? I think, Fem. Yeah, like, I think the Brighton fans should be really excited today. They play really good attacking yeah. football and that the recruitment strategy is in place. And that's both in players and managers. Because if you remember, yes. like, Graham Potter was doing a fantastic job. Then they recruited the Zerbi mm. that took it to the next level. Um, and then, like, even more exciting is that with the Cassiedo buddy, let's just hypothetically say Brighton are challenging the top four in January. Yeah. They've got that money to invest if they want to as well. It's a credit, really, to the club, I think, because it's like um, the, the the players that have left, like you're on about the lad that's gone to Chelsea. Uh, obviously, he was the other one. Uh, Sanchez goalkeepers left, and a lot of teams that are in this, like in the in the mould of Brighton, that can hinder them. 
I've seen it before. Like um, I, can't, I can't think of a team off the top of my head. But where a few players have left, it really can disrupt everything and it can really send them off kilter. But it doesn't seem like it's happening for Brighton. It seems like they've either got a replacement or somebody else can play in that role or they, or they just seem to be cracking on regardless of, of losing these players that obviously got them to the European uh, li- uh, competition this season. But how, how do you think that is, is possible, Fem, for a club of like Brighton stature that they can lose these players that were maybe um, vital last season, but it doesn't seem to be affecting them this season that they're not there anymore. Yes, yeah, so so I watched a YouTube video about this, and actually it's just because they buy, um, so it's called like a buy-to-loan model, so basically they buy lots of young talent for cheap fees, and then part of it is they loan them to certain clubs that develop them, and then they bring them back to Brighton, give them minutes, um, make sure they're cultured. So I'd say, like, beforehand, like, previously, like, in years gone by, Southampton were a similar team, but then I felt like they oversold and they didn't get yes. re- replacements of as good a quality. But I think with Brighton this season in particular, that, like, uh, even though they've lost Cassiodi and McAllister, they got Dahoud, um, Gilmore was already playing, getting Ansu Fati on loan, and knowing that you've got a hundred million, and then and then even though I don't wish Brighton to sell their players, knowing that Ferguson would easily be sold over a hundred million as well, so so they're in a really great position. Yeah. It's it's good. It's I, I enjoy watching them, and it's um, you're looking at some of the scores this season already. Obviously, they they the um beat Newcastle at the weekend three one, beat Wolves four one, and I think Luton four one. Yes, yeah. And they've got quite a challenging, um, well, I don't know if it is a challenging game, thinking about it, but they've got Man United at the weekend at Old Trafford. I fancy them to get something from that game. I don't know if, you, I don't know if you're in the same boat there, Fem. Do you think they could get something at Old Trafford? Yes, so the, the attacking football can definitely cause Man U problems, but I'm just not, how do I explain, I'm not as, I don't think they're as solid as before because um, Colwell went back to Chelsea. So I felt that he was a really key part to their build-up and like their defence. So even though, um, yeah, I definitely think attacking-wise they can cause many problems. And so I think, um, yeah, definitely, definitely. I'll put it this way. I wouldn't be surprised if they got a draw and scored a few goals against Manu. Just going back to the uh, the European, the Europa League, sorry, that they're in, Um do you think it's possible? How would you, how would you look at that in terms of Brighton being in that competition? Would you look at it in terms of just enjoy the ride against Ajax and, and Marseille and Athens, or do you think let's get far as possible? What do you, what do you think they can do there, Brighton? Uh, so I think Brighton are gonna go for it because I remember from um, last season where um, when Brighton beat Man U. Like they did like an after they did an interview with Deserby and he said that he wants to keep on pushing. So he's the type of manager that be saying, let's not rest on our laurels. We actually want to go really far in this competition. And it's good to hear, really, because some clubs will get to a certain point and go, we're OK here. Let's just stay here. And I think I've got an example of that. I think that happened to Bolton a few years ago. Um, I think they hit a certain ceiling, and I, whether it's true or not, I'm not too sure. So alleged, I'll, I'll say allegedly. I think Big Sam said, 
if you give me more money, I will get into the top four. Whether he would have done, I don't know. But I think Bolton were basically just saying, no, no, we're good here. We're all right here. We don't need to be going in the top four because of that comes with uh, more money contracts for players and things like that. So it's good to hear that, you know, Brighton, they don't want to just, just settle for, oh, this will be a nice little trip to Ajax. It's, let's take Ajax on. Let's try and go as far as we can in the competition. It's not just, we're okay here type of thing. There's, um, there's, there's a topic, actually, that we haven't discussed on the podcast. Um, we've we've completely... For, well, we haven't actually mentioned that Harry Kane has gone to Bayern Munich. Um, so I don't know how we, we haven't managed to talk about that one, but Jimmy must have missed that one off. It's just uh, come to me. What's your opinion on that, uh, Fem, in terms of Tottenham? They seem to be, they seem to be doing OK without him, and, and Kane was quite a vital player, wasn't he, at the... In his rate, well, in his time at Tottenham. Yeah, so I think like Kane has done his best for Tottenham. He's been there, you know. He's an academy player, scored lots of goals. You know, probably in their top three for top goal scoring. So he's done as much as he can. They haven't won any trophies while he's there. So I think it was the right decision to let him leave for Bayern and um, let him win trophies there. And then also with. From my understanding about the Postagoglu style of play, is that he likes his strikers more on the last shoulder of the defence. So um, even though Kane's a great player, he wasn't an exact fit to that style. And so they're scoring lots of goals. And um, it's interesting seeing um, Son play as a nine as he got a hat trick at the weekend just come. It's it's quite a strange affair, isn't it? That Tottenham, Tottenham Kane. Um, transfer was I don't know I, I think people sort of expected Tottenham to struggle after Kane and I don't know a lot, quite a lot of people did expect that I think and then it seemed to it might work out for the pair of them it might work out for Tottenham going forward and it might work out for Kane at Bayern Munich he, he'll be he, he's most likely going to win a trophy at Bayern Munich and Tottenham one of my friends um, me and Shell's one of, one of one of our friends he's a, he's, a, he's from Burnley but he's a Tottenham fan and I was talking to him about two weeks ago, well, a few weeks ago, and he said, yeah, it doesn't seem to be that we're, we're just focusing on Kane. It's like we have a different plan every whatever. We, we have more than that to our ability at the minute, which they might have done before, but it, it did seem to be sort of centred more around Kane. And he said, yeah, we, we've got different... It's, it's completely different now that Kane's gone, and he, he sort of wasn't expecting that. So I wonder if Tottenham fans are a bit surprised that they're in this position. Do you think, fam? So, like with the uh, Postecoglou style, like I think it was, is more to spread the goals round, not to have a thirty-goal yeah. striker. But also, what I would say is that, in my opinion, with Kane or no Kane, they couldn't have done worse than last season. So they finished <laughs> eighth, yeah. like. No trophy, like for me, they couldn't have done worse, so it could have only got better, and so that's why I'm personally not surprised. I think like Spurs fans may have been surprised because they're wondering, Oh, how's this gonna work without Kane? Because it's like you know, in anything in life, it's like when there's some change, people are not sure how it's gonna go, and so, so I think it's a bit of that, but um, yeah, the style of football is a lot more fluid. Um, like he likes his wings to hug the touchline as much as possible. Like inverted fullbacks, um, Yudogi's been playing well. Um, so so yeah, and, and Madison is really really enjoying that freedom. He's been he's been on fire this season. <coughs> I 
I mean, I'm just looking at the I'm just looking at the fixtures that they've played, and I think they're unbeaten. Tottenham, they've got, I think, yeah. So they've got a draw, win, win, draw. Oh, that's the EFL Cup, and then they beat Burnley five two. You mentioned Madison there, fam. Um, they got him from Leicester, didn't they? Leicester went, well, got relegated. That's quite a signing at the moment, isn't it? The Madison um, signing. Um, were you surprised about that particular signing um, sort of paying off or do you think was was it to be expected because he's he's quite a good player anyway or yeah so I think Madison has always been productive even at Leicester so so I actually think he's you know a bargain like in my opinion yeah. he's better than Mason Mount so I think Ma- I agree I with think that. Mason Mount is, yeah. I think didn't didn't man you buy him for 60 or 70 million Madison Ooh. was 40 million and he probably Ugh. scores more goals and assists. He can play as an eight. He can play as a ten. He can also play, you know, as a playmaker on the right. So I, I am surprised that Tottenham were the only team that seemed to be in for him. Like I, mm. I would have said, a team like Newcastle could do with him because I felt yeah. like Newcastle don't really have a creative spark too much, a bar Trippier. Um, so I felt like, um, yeah, he's definitely a player. Um, it probably like I would have loved to play like that at Liverpool, but I think we've already covered that with McAllister and Zabozlai. But um, yeah, definitely at Tottenham, Manu. I would argue he's better than Mount. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then even if they wanted to, like um, City, because they play with a number ten, and Madison is mainly likes to play as a number ten. He would have done really well at City. Not saying he's like the top. He's world class, but I'm saying in terms of fit, style of play, I felt like he could really fit in a team like City as well. So I am surprised not not as many people were uh, interested in. And I I would say Chelsea, in my opinion, despite spending mm. all that money, they are pretty much no creators there. And so he, <laughs> he, in my opinion, like Chelsea should have gone in for him straight away. It's interesting what you say about Madison and. He could have fit into the system at Man City because I think Jim ran about a um, couple of couple of months ago. He was saying that some of the Man City team aren't necessarily world class. Like Grealish, possibly isn't. Well, I wouldn't say he is world class, but he seems to fit that system of whatever they're doing, whatever the tactic that Pep wants to do. He seems to be a ducking water in that. Really, he seems to work, and I think Madison could have. I think that could have worked for Madison as well as Grealish. In terms of they're not these Ronaldo, Messi, Neymar like elite players, but if you you put them into this sort of setup, they seem to thrive. Some of them, and I think that's that. I agree with that. That could have been that could have been the case with Madison, and, we, and you know people people might have laughed and said, "Oh, he's not this and he's not that," but the, you don't necessarily need a world class player in every position. Like United didn't need it years ago. Liverpool didn't need world class players years ago to. Uh, when the uh, Champions League, there were a few in there that weren't world class that that did the job, and you won the trophy. Do you know? So I think Madison probably falls into that for now, anyway. Obviously, that he he's he's not this world class player, but if you you put him into a setup that works, he's going to get results for you. I think really, and that that's the proof of the pudding so far. I know I know we're only a month gone in the um, season, but that's how it looks so far, at, at least. Um, I think there was someone. Oh, Kane, Kane at Bayern Munich, yes. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's a good move. 
I wasn't necessarily expecting it, were you, Fem? I don't know if you were expecting Kane to go so late. So, so, um, like, I'm like, I got a subscription with the Athletic, so I could see like ah. all the latest articles. So I was expecting him to move. Um, and funny you should say this actually, because just before the start of the season, I had Kane in my fancy team, <laughs> and basically Kane and Salah are the exact same price. So as soon as oh, yeah. Kane was starting to leave, I had to swap him and then rejig my team <laughs> to fit in Salah because yeah. like they're both yeah, the yeah. same price. I um I'm sure I had Kane. Uh, no, I had uh, the Fulham striker that's gone to Saudi Arabia. Mitrovic. Yes, I had. I think I, I was texting you the other week about what do I do with this squad because I had um, Mitrovic, Kevin De Bruyne injured, McAllister was on a red card. Um, John Stones was injured. That's four. I think he had five. He had five, I think he had four injured players and one red card. I thought, ah, no, I need to. Let's just use the wild card straight away. But um, well, we'll get on to that actually, Fem. Uh, fantasy football. We, we've been texting pretty much every weekend, haven't we, about what we should do. Uh, your suggestions, sticking Salah in there. Um, so you're, you're pretty happy with your team so far, aren't you? On the on the fantasy football, have you got any? Is there any sort of pattern developing that you go he has to stay in or is there anything anything any formula to your uh so so this season i've been playing mainly a 4-4-2 system because like i saw like uh it 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 does well on the average amount of points quite well so yeah. i've been trying to test with that um and like my current team has got um has got fleck and turner estupian chilwell ikanji Baldock. Guardiol, Saka, Matomo, Salah, Anderson, Madison, who I just got in last weekend, and Jackson, Sims, because like uh, there's mm. a h- unhidden rule that if you get a player that's transferred out, that locks the price, and then of course Haaland. Yes. Now it's um we we've got a fantasy football league at work, and I think there's there's fifteen people in it, and thirteen of them have a Haaland as captain. I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. But yeah, it's 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 quite fun. Like I never used to. Um, I used to do fantasy football when we were at uni, and then after uni, I sort of went off it, and now I've come back into it the past two years. Well, COVID onwards, possibly. But it's addictive. I don't know why it's so addictive, but I've got it on my phone on the app, and I go, he needs to go. I need to get rid of him. I can't get rid of him yet. And then I'm looking at the fixtures, and there's something new that I've never seen before, which is the. Um, does it give you the fixture difficulties? Yes, Something it like gives that? you the fixture difficulties, and now, as well, they say XG for for different um, for different players as well. Sorry about that. I just needed to close the window. There were dogs barking outside. <laughs> yeah. It's, that's a new one for me. The the difficulty. I'm just trying to trying to find it now on my on my app. But but also it depends how you interpret it. So for example, let's just say teams playing Liverpool, they'll mark it as a four or five in the hardest. And I would actually argue if you're an attacker, you like you might get some joy against Liverpool. So keep your attacker on. That's what I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting because I was. There were players that I was thinking of getting rid of, and I thought, oh, I think I might get rid of him. And then you look at the... Um, I was convinced last week that Chelsea were going to beat Forest. I think I was convinced by that. 
So he had Sanchez, Chilwell and somebody else. But then I'm looking at Chelsea's fixtures and it's it's all green or, or grey. So you've got Bournemouth, uh, Aston Villa, Fulham, Burnley and then they've got Arsenal and then it's red. So I was thinking, oh, well, I might just keep a few of them in there just because of this um, this graph, basically. But it's it's a game changer, really, looking at things like this. And then you can look at, I'm looking at Liverpool's. You obviously, you've got Wolves, West Ham. Uh, they're both green. And you've got Tottenham and, I think it's Brighton, that are both grey. Everton green, Forest green, Luton green. So you've got quite a decent run there where it, it, it's, it doesn't seem to be anything in red. Which makes me think I should get more Liverpool players in. But that's quite it's quite interesting that in the in the long term I can look at what can I be doing in three week with this team, you know, or, or something like that. But it's great. I, I, I'm I'm addicted to it, and it's um, that was that was what I was going to ask you actually. What happens? You've got your captain. You've got your captain. But what what about the vice captain? Do they get like an extra point or extra two points or anything? Or? Okay, so basically your captain gets double the points. <laughs> But your yeah. vice captain, um, it's if your captain doesn't play, that's why you have a vice captain. Ah, right. So, right, so if your right. captain doesn't play, yeah. then your vice captain gets double the points. And then if Gosh. if if they both don't play, then it's tough luck. <laughs> it's quite good though. And so, is there um, any fancy players that have surprised you this season so far? Uh, y- yes. Who was the? Uh, let's just have a quick look. I've got the um, I've got the podcast league up. Actually, I've got the it's only a game podcast league. I'm just gonna have a quick look at see who's doing quite well. So a few people that we don't know, but um, Brian Forbes is second. His uh, I like his team name, Judy Harland. I quite like that. Um, Matt Driver is fourth. I think you're I think you're up there, Fem. Oh, you're tenth. You're doing quite well. You're tenth. There's like forty four people in this league, and you're tenth. So that's quite good. Uh, James Hendry's in there as well. Hannah. Uh, a few others. Let's have a quick look at Brian's team. Ah, that was it. Brian, I was looking at Brian's team the other week, and he had um, Sterling as captain. And I don't know where that came from. Was that something that a few people, few fantasy football sort of fans, or like yourself or Brian, sort of predicted to give Sterling the captaincy? Was that anything that was sort of circulating or anything there? Uh, not not necessarily. Um, but um. I think because like um, seeing his thing like uh, because they were playing Luton, that was a decent mm. that was a decent way way to do it. Um, so Got you. I so I think most p- players if they're playing most people that are playing Luton might fancy captaining their player, but it also depends on who Harland is playing. So for example, when Harland was playing Newcastle, I think Salah was playing Bournemouth, and so. So I captain Salah instead of Haaland because yeah. because that was the better fixture. Yes, it's it's interesting. There's certain like patterns that develop sometimes. You think, oh, I'll stick him in there, I'll stick him in there. Because I I used to go for five in midfield. I used to go five in midfield and three at the back and two up front. And I'm looking at other people's teams. And I was looking at yours the other day, and yours is. Uh, I think you did. Did you might you might have changed it, but. It might have been someone else's team, but then there were four at the back. I was thinking, why have they done that? Then it were the clean sheets, and then it were Ake got a goal, and you think, ah, I got it now. Some of the points add up for for um, defenders more, things like that. So it, it, it's 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 interesting. It's interesting. I'm, I'm really I'm back into fantasy football. I went off it for about a couple of years, but I'm uh, I'm always texting you out of them. What should I do with this team? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh, and dear. then one player that yeah. I haven't got yet, who I'm thinking of is. Awani yeah. of um, 
Nottingham Forest. Like he's been scoring, okay. he's been scoring lots of. So he almost broke the Vardy record for consecutive goals in the Premier League, and right. plays for Nottingham Forest. He got an assist last weekend, and um, yeah, he's you know so far he scored against Sheffield United. Um, he scored against Sheffield United, uh, Arsenal, Man Man U, and got an assist against Chelsea. So he's pretty solid, to be honest. Oh well, then they're all solid sides, aren't they? Really, it's um, that's interesting. I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> I might have to nick that one off you. But yeah, that's 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 interesting, and they they do develop patterns from these players, and you go, I'm gonna have to stick him in there. It's um, it's interesting. Um, just talking about um, United and Arsenal, uh, we'll, we'll we'll touch on the Arsenal Man United game, fam. Um, did you did you watch any of the highlights from the uh, the three one game at the weekend? Yeah, so watch I, I watched I watched it on Sky Sports, like the majority of the game. So so I have a good yes. feel, a good feel for that game. So so yeah, good. It was um well I, I was I was keeping tabs of it on my app because we were out at the time and I think I thought it was going to be one all and obviously Rice and Jesus late goals you you would have watched it in real time was that the um did they just collapse Man United or was it a bit of luck from Arsenal or what was the what would what did you take from no that there was a, there was a bit of drama actually so actually yeah. um it could have been two one Man U but then Var. Um, VAR cancelled it and then basically yeah. with the Rice goal it came from a corner where I don't know why but Rice was f- kept in getting free at the back post and this time he he had enough time to control it and smash it at the near post <coughs> right. and then obviously yeah. because Manny are going for the game they're pushing everyone up and then um, Arsenal substitute Fabio Vieira does a through ball to Gabriel Jesus. He's through and goal. Dallo is like catching him up and then he pauses and Dallo has done a slide tackle into midair and then he scores against uh, uh, Anana. <laughs> so like, yeah, it was a great goal. Um, I felt like Arsenal just about deserved the, deserved the win. Yeah. But man, you were yeah. always dangerous on the break. And like, I still mm. think the VAR decision was debatable because it, I don't know. It, like, if you see the highlight, is all basically what happens is in order to like catch catch somebody offside, Gabriel has just leaned back. He's right. like gone forward and leaned yeah. back really quickly to catch the guy yeah. offside. But like, depending on like where you think, if you think the line is straight or not. So for me, like he looked just on. But then when VAR got the lines off, they put him offside. But other people on Twitter put their own lines and said that they're not straight. So so who knows at this stage? It's interesting. It's um, I saw the I saw the Rice goal and it seemed like it came off the leg of a Man United player, but I wasn't I wasn't too sure if it did. Did it Did it come off United player the Rice goal? Uh, so I think I think what happened was. It might have had a slight deflection, but it was going in. And so, basically, yeah. it, I think it also touched Anana's hand, but he couldn't get a strong enough hand to get it out. Um, so, I wouldn't call that the fault of the goalkeeper because it was a very strong shot. I'd say it was yeah. more about the defending because in corners, nobody really should have enough time to actually chest it, turn, and take a shot in a corner. Well, there is that. Yeah, That's yeah point, so, so I felt it was more... 
on a defensive side that it was the fault rather than rather than um, Onana. But to be fair, like they did a Gabriel of Arsenal did a clever block off on Johnny Evans so he couldn't chase to get the ball. So so that that's part of it as well. Wow, I saw the I saw the Jesus goal as well, the the, the third one. I thought it was it was absolutely great goal. I don't know. As soon as as soon as the the ball, you could see it developing. As soon as it was coming up the field towards him, and you could tell what was going to happen. And he sort of, I don't know what he did. He did a bit of a crafty move, didn't he, where he took the player the other way and then kept going. I think. But yeah, I thought I didn't know he was going to be back so quickly because I know you mentioned about putting him in the fantasy football team at one point that he would be back soon, and I, I was. I, I, I missed that one that he would he was actually back or else I would have put him in, but uh, maybe I put him in now. But um, yeah, he's he's a great player, isn't he? He's um, he's fantastic, and he I think he's he's found himself at Arsenal, hasn't he? A little bit more than um, he was at Man City, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, he was at Man City. Yes, he was. Yeah, of course. I'm second guessing myself there, but yeah, he was at Man City. I think he's found himself at Arsenal. Do you think there's any particular reason that why he's found himself at Arsenal? Is it Arteta? Is it is it being in London or is there any? So I think it's like Arteta's no, you know, because Arteta used to be the Manchester City assistant manager. So he's ah, so he's yeah. used that yeah. relationship to get yeah. both Gabriel Jesus and Sivchenko and then just said to Gabriel yeah. Jesus, you're going to be our main number nine. And so, you yes. know, how players love to be loved. And so from that, he, he's playing his number nine pretty much. He's whenever he's fully fit, he plays him. So that's quite good. Um, yeah, he almost he plays as a number nine, but he likes to drop deep. So he's almost like a number nine playing as a false nine, but he really joins up the play really good. Um, so yeah, like um, I think the signing's been good. And so when you, when you're getting regular minutes, so I think one of the even though Pep is a world class manager, one of the greatest. Like I do think mm. like he rubs players the wrong way because he's always rotating. Yes, I agree with that. Sometimes it might have been the documentary, um, the City one. I can't remember what it's called. I think I saw it on there. I was thinking, oh, I don't know if he's doing it for the cameras or if he's winding people up. But there's parts of Pep Guardiola, and I go, oh, does he need to be doing that sometimes? And I think it was the Burnley game when City played Burnley, the first game of the Premier League this season. And he was sort of berating Holland. Haaland as they were coming off the field. And I thought, is that necessary, really? And I don't know if it was because the cameras were there or, or what. I don't know. But there are parts of Pep Guardiola and I go, oh, come on now. Like you don't, do you need to be doing that? But um, I, Like you say, he's a top-class manager, you know, one of the best ever. But there's, there's still little niggles with him that I find, oh, you know, do you need to be doing that? I don't know if you're like that, Fem, with him. Uh, so I don't mind, like, the, um, what's it called? Like, the methods of, like, in terms of speaking to players. But I do think, yeah. like... Not every player is going to take it easy, knowing that he's going to be rotated. So, yeah. so for example, with Cancelo, that's the reason why he's gone on loan to both Bayern last season and Barcelona this season because he wants regular minutes, and every footballer yeah. wants regular minutes, particularly if they're doing well in training and stuff. So, to tell you how like how much he like rotates, right? Put it this way. In fancy football last season, mm-hmm. no Man City defender got over a hundred points. Oh, right, and they won the league. Yeah, treble. Even. Yeah, so like their defense was the best in the league, but they didn't get that yeah. amount of points because sometimes they don't get the clean sheets because they um, occasionally concede one. But because he kept on rotating all those defenders, 
none of them right. none of them got over 100 points if you click on the history if you click on the history of any man city defender for last season you'll see none of them got over 100 points even john stones wow so that's almost as if wow so you can't really um i suppose they don't know if they're when they're playing and when they're not in terms of if it's rotating that much or is it to do with is it to do with how many players they've got in defence or I don't know. So it's um, a bit different because last season, mid season, he's basically decided to play with four centre backs. Yeah. So yeah, Ikanji, yeah. Diaz, Laporte, Ake. That's like an example of a four, but um, yeah, and then in some games you're bringing Carl Walker if he wants more width on the right. So. Yeah. All that rotation, like, um, yes, like, some players are being, um, what's it called? Some players are being rotated. Or, for example, uh, another example about rotation is that um, even Man City fans might not want to hear this, but I think at some point Phil Foden is going to have to leave in order to get Mm. full minutes, like, in terms of played, like, 50 games a season, week in, week out. Yeah. I no, I can understand. I can understand that because, I mean, there were, there were teams in yesterday year uh, that were heavily rotated. But like Ferguson used to rotate um, Andy Cole, Dwight York, uh, who were the other two, Sheringham and Solskjaer. You know, they were rotated quite a lot. But he seemed to keep them quite happy, didn't he? The four of them, obviously, different times. A couple of years ago, that isn't it now. Um, so it is, it is possible to you know keep players happy and rotate them and keep them happy. But I think you're right in terms of if you are a fairly because he's still fairly young, isn't he, Ford? And he can't be. He's not like 26 or something like that. Is he? No, no, he's, he's about 23, 24 now. He's 23. Yeah. So he, I suppose if he wants to, it, it's it's um it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Really, because if he wants to be successful, he could probably stay at Man City. But is he playing week in week out? He he might not be doing. So it's it is a tough one. And I suppose with him being so young as well, you do want to be playing week in, week out. It's okay if, like, we run about Jordan Henderson before in terms of he probably um, would expect not to be playing every week because of his age and that he'd been there for 10 years and he's 30, what have you, he's at least 32, wasn't he, at least uh, Henderson. So that's a different... That's a, I suppose if you are that age, you could expect that, to not be playing every week. And like Ronaldo was kicking up a fuss, wasn't he, last season, that he wasn't playing every week, but he's 30, he was way over 35, wasn't he? But, you know, it's different um, aspirations, isn't it, and things like that. But with Foden, I think you're bang on the money with that one. I think if he if he wants to play week in, week out, you, you probably do need to leave Man City as much as it's, you know, they are this um, big club at the moment in terms of trophies and what they're achieving and things like that. But I don't know where where would you go that could possibly like emulate what they are doing. I don't I don't know if it's could you could you go like Bayern Munich or would you stay in the Premier League if you feel for so so there's nowhere that emulates Pep Guardiola's football. I would say no. But I would no. say like um, if there's ever a time that Liverpool sold Salah, it probably won't happen. But I would love Liverpool to put a serious bid for Foden and say you're playing on the right week in week out. You can pass the ball, you can run behind, you can finish and say, there you go. And it's not unusual, is it, to have transfers between Liverpool and Man City these days, even though 
what was his name? Uh, uh, Raheem Sterling, obviously. Did, did he go from City to Liverpool or was it Liverpool to City? I can't yeah, remember. so he went from Liverpool to City and then yes. later on he actually went from City to Chelsea. So the problem with wow. what City has got, maybe not as much so with the Saudi Arabian League, is that um, the only rich clubs are really Premier League clubs. So if you want to sell someone... Yeah. It's got to be yeah. normally to a Premier League club, but with the Saudi Arabian League, that that has slightly changed. But yeah, that that mm. still remains most of it. So, if, for example, if you know a big player was to leave Man City, that they would have to get yeah, pretty much go to another Premier League or Saudi. That's why, for example, Cancelo didn't leave mm. on a permanent deal because because Barcelona can't afford the fee <laughs> attached to it. Crikey, what what is going on at Barcelona at the minute? I know you've got you're about the young lad that's signed for Brighton recently on loan. Is it to do? Is it because they can't keep these players? Is that is that what it is with Barcelona? So with Barcelona, like um, with my understanding, like the Spanish league's FFP rules are very strict. So for example, right, okay. if you don't have your money together, you can't actually register your player. <laughs> so wow. so so basically, Spanish teams are doing financial deals so they can actually register their player so um right so for example let's just say a squad is on 25 like um if if a club is not in order financially then you could have a squad of 20 not 25 because <laughs> because uh because of all their financial fair play so so that's yeah that's with that one and like uh yeah like um, from a cash flow point of view maybe real madrid and then the Premier League clubs could really buy, you know, those a Man City player if they if 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 they were to leave. It's interesting because I remember um, we did a podcast last preseason, not this one just gone, but the other one, when Barcelona just signed uh, the lad from Bayern Munich, uh, Lewandowski. Lewandowski, and Jimmy was questioning how is that possible, and then they signed somebody else, somebody else. He said, "How is it working this that?" There's different restraints, constraints. Sorry, in La Liga, for Barcelona, how are they still signing these players? But they're still doing it, aren't they? I guess it's still. Um, what's his name from Man City signed for Barcelona? The um, midfielder Gundogan. Um, so I don't know how they're going to get round these rules to keep these players. Do you know? So, is it, so, gonna... so with Gundogan, that was a free transfer. Ah, and then and then with Ancelo was a loan deal with um what's it called uh Chao Felix that was a loan deal as well um so so to, to they're not they're hardly putting any fees in and then I think to finance their deal was um in the last summer not this summer just gone um they had to get like um almost like uh, a private equity firm and borrow a loan against them. Ah. But then that oh, yeah. didn't work as well because it was like they were anticipating to qualify for the Champions League knockout stages and they right. didn't do yeah. it. And so that's yeah. left them in more financial mess as well. So yeah. Wow. It's um, it's interesting that a team like Barcelona are doing these things in terms of, I don't know, I don't know. It's sort of you. You would think a, a team of in, of Barcelona's caliber wouldn't need to be doing these things, but it's probably come back to um, 
haunt them a little bit, hasn't it? Some of these rules and regulations and overspending or not spending, and it's it's within the guidelines and trying to keep keeping those uh, rules, isn't it? I guess for Barcelona. How do you think they'll get on this season, Barcelona? Obviously, they're a big club, aren't they? Big expectations from the fans and supporters of Barcelona. Um, how do you think they'll get on? So I, I think they should like uh, be between them and Real Madrid to win the league. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't think they'll win the Champions League. Um, but like no. they've got, but the the they're really keeping up with their youth prospects, La Masia. So you know, Gavi and Pedri is now um, playing, and then they've got this. Um, uh, I'm not sure his name, but um, basically they've got a young winger who's only 16. He's just got his. Um, He's just got his Spain call up at sixteen. Blimey. Blimey. Uh let me find his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah so no his name's called Lamane Yalmal. He's been it was very interesting actually because I was seeing him in the preseason um yeah. against Spurs, like seeing the highlights, I thought, oh, this could be a good player. But I didn't think they'll chucking him straight away in the league, <laughs> starting all three games and then and then him being called up to Spain, which is a bit mad to be honest for a sixteen year old. Is that is that Spain's first team? Yeah, Spain's first team at sixteen. Wow. All oh, right, okay. Wow. I bet you weren't expecting that. Yeah, like, yeah, that's what work. I'm saying. Like, yeah, it's like <laughs> like straight in. Good lord. It's good. It's good to see, though. It's very good. It's it's, it's great to see. You, you know, you're always looking for the young players to. You know, he could be one that lasts like for years and years because I, I think there was a statistic a couple of weeks ago when they were doing the um, Champions League draw. I think this is the first time is it in twenty some twenty years or twenty one years that Champions League hasn't had Ronaldo or Messi. And I was thinking, crikey, that's that's that goes to the longevity of Messi and Ronaldo, doesn't it? I thought, my word. You don't think, do you? Sometimes that these that they've been around that long, some of them. So he he could be the next one. You know, the sixteen-year-old could be here for the next twenty odd years. You never know. But that was a statistic that really made me feel old. That it was like, uh, you know, Champions League first time without Ronaldo and Messi in twenty years. It's like my word, gosh. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, we'll we'll jump back to Liverpool for a little bit, Fem, and then we'll look at wrapping up the episode. If that's okay with you, we'll just have a couple of. Four or five minutes of I can't believe we've done an hour already. That's that's flown by. Um, what are your expectations for Liverpool this season in terms of the Premier League? You got the FA Cup. You got the Europe. Uh, you're in obviously you're in all the competitions there, uh, League Cup as well. What would your like sort of minimum expectation be for Liverpool? So minimum expectation would be top four, and yeah. I would love top four and Europa League. So minimum top four because Champions League. So, because um, we're, I feel like because Salah, Alisson, Van Dijk are all getting on a bit, I feel like if we're not in the Champions League, it's a waste of those talents because they're really good players yeah. and I love us to get a squad together to actually challenge City again. So, um, I do think another defensive midfielder is, is key to that. So, I'm saying top four, um, maybe a challenge to the title, but top four, I think, is bare minimum. Like, I would say Liverpool have yeah. had a bad season if we do not get top four this season. That's interesting. And then, obviously, 
FA Cup and League Cup are they just a bit of a bonus if that's possible? Do you think? Yes, or? it's a bit of a bonus. Like yeah. um, so we've won those before. Um, like yeah. um, I think a couple of seasons ago, we won both in the same season. So so a bit oh, different. Yeah, yeah. So because there was, I think, a couple of seasons ago, we we're in for the quadruple. In terms of, we went to the final of every single um, competition. Um, but um, yeah, so so top four minimum. FA Cup would be nice to have. League Cup would be nice to have, but really want the Europa League, like because I think it would. If Liverpool were to win the Europa League, I feel that it would really enhance the experience of the young players. Them getting minutes, mm. them playing a vital role in winning a, a big trophy. Like I, I feel that would be yes. really good. And I suppose you can build on that for next season. Uh, you can build on trophies. Trophies, you know, obviously you're only about top four as well. You got the Champions League. I suppose I can see where you're coming from in terms of. I I I was having this debate with somebody at work the other day about how important is the League Cup, and they were like, "Ah, eh, it's not that important really. A trophy is a trophy, fair enough, but it's not like a priority type of thing. It's it's just there, isn't it really? Um, but I think you make a good point about the European League that you're that you're on about there in terms of winning that. I don't know if there's any. I don't know if what how many. In terms of big teams are in that one this year. Is there any like real threat that could really knock Liverpool in 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 that competition this season? I can't I can't remember who's qualified for that one. Uh, I'm not sure. Ajax are in it. Like, would it be you? Um, but I, of course. But yeah. I would say like because part of the Champions League is normally some of the Champions League oh, teams course. drop out into the Europa League. Yeah, so it's, yeah so so that normally happens so um yeah with Europa League yeah that's why I'm saying it'll be good to win it and then talking about trophies about whether the FA Cup or League Cup is important I think because Liverpool have won it in the mm. past like um a couple of yeah. seasons ago it doesn't matter but but like for example if I was a team like Tottenham I'd put a hundred percent behind it because they haven't won yeah. a trophy for about 15 years yeah. so I would absolutely go 100% in it. That's that's what I would say. It's interesting because, was it last year? It was um, Man United-Newcastle. I really wanted Newcastle to win the League Cup. I don't think it would have... Because um, they haven't won anything in such a long time, Newcastle. And I think that's the same for Tottenham. There's a, there's a few teams like that, obviously, that haven't won anything for a long time. West Ham was uh, up until recently, up until last season. And I didn't particularly mind that West Ham won that... Um, the European League last last season, but I don't know if that become me and Jimmy had this debate or this conversation a couple of weeks ago about um, if you are a team that hasn't necessarily won a trophy for quite some time, like Newcastle, like Tottenham or West Ham. There's maybe somebody else in there, uh, Villa possibly. Do they become more like say if you if you're a neutral way, say you don't particularly mind Newcastle and you don't mind West Ham. Uh, no, sorry, if, 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 say, Man United are playing West Ham, do you automatically want the team that hasn't won the trophy for a long time to win it, do you think? Uh, so, as a Liverpool fan, any team... I mean, against United, yeah, would, yeah, anybody, against yeah, United. Yeah, it's a ridiculous yeah. question. But, um, but maybe, let's but, say, Chelsea but, then. Okay, or, or okay, yeah, so, um, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. so. But, like, um, the, what's it called? Talking about West Ham, uh, like, they're yeah. actually, like, my most local team to me. And oh, and so course, yeah, and yeah, basically, yeah. when they won the conference Europa Conference League, they made like um, not not in a negative way, but they made a big thing about it. So basically, mm. Stratford, which is like fifteen minutes train away from me, 
they like booked yeah. like a bus parade there for their fans <laughs> and um yeah. yeah so like even yeah so so that was really good for their fans and like I, I don't think they had won something for 40 years. So that was really nice for yes, their fans. Right. And like the local pubs near me were a bit more cheery, more jolly, let's say. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, yeah. It's, it's really good for the fans. So I think when you win something for the fans and they, they've been deprived of winning, then it matters a lot more. Yeah. It's like, uh, it, it, it was, yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah. It's, um, it, I, I can I can I can understand that one because I think Rochdale have never won anything in 112 years. We've never won anything, so we've been to like playoff finals. We've been promoted, but obviously you don't win anything for being promoted. Oh, I think you win a little cup, don't you, or, or something? But in terms of like, we've never won an FA Cup or anything like that. So I think we could, you know, it's never going to happen, but we'd love to win something someday. I mean, even if we win the conference, that'd be good. But um, I can understand what you mean by that, where. Teams that have never won anything or for a long time, it's it's just great for them to have those moments because you do you see you see like Man United, uh, sorry Man City at Wembley every year, uh, or or not every year but maybe every other year or every year. Well, no, they do, it is every year for Man City. Like one of my mates, he's like, oh, I'm not going to Wembley because I've been for the past three years or something. It's they've sort of not outgrown it, but they don't. See the value. Yeah, they've probably got a fatigue anymore. about it. Yeah, there fatigue. you go. That's what it is. So that I think some of the Man City fans, some of them are going through that in terms of, I've been to Wembley. Uh, I've seen we've, three times we've lifted the FA Cup, uh, League Cup. I think it was the League Cup. They, they, did they win it four times on the bounce or something like that? And it's there is a fatigue to that for them. So I think when there's a team like you say, like West Ham. Or even if Newcastle were to win something, it sort of freshens it up a little bit. Leicester won the FA Cup, didn't they? A few years ago now, that was quite entertaining. I didn't mind that. Um, we need more of that, I think, Fem. I think we need more of the teams that haven't won a lot, historically. If they can win cups now and again, I think we'll take that, just to keep everyone happy. <laughs> oh. So, on that note, I think we're going to, um, I think we're going to wrap up this episode. We've done well there. We've done an hour and nine minutes. That's 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 quite good to say. There's only two of us there, Fem. So um, I'd just like to thank you, Fem, for joining us for this episode. We'll have you on next time. Well, whenever, really. We'll try and get Jim and try and get a few more of us on the next next episode. But thanks for joining me, Fem. Yes, thank you, and thanks for having me. Don't take football too seriously, because it is only a game. Thank you, for everybody, for, for listening to us, and good night. Podcast Network.